Welcome back, everybody, to the Innovative Leadership Podcast. I'm Ryan Stickle here with Stephanie Hurd. And Steph, we are back with a fun one. We and this are. is this is a big deal. This is our first guest ever. It is. It is very exciting. So joining us today is the founder, CEO, president. Did I miss anything? No. Got it no, all there. No. Uh, the founder and, and, and CEO of Innovative, Jason Rappaport, joins us today. Couldn't find a, a more fitting first guest for the Innovative Leadership Podcast. I mean, that's kind of what you do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so thanks for joining us. This yeah, is awesome. it's fun. I'm excited. So we wanted to kind of get into it today and get the, I guess, abridged history of of your point of view of Innovative, as abridged as we can get at least. Oh boy, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> um, and just kind of talk about your journey, um, not so much from the, you know, kind of the business particulars of it, but as you growing into a leadership position, if you want to start at the beginning or as far back as you need to go of kind of where this all started at Innovative and kind of how you got to where you were today. Yeah. I mean, from a leadership perspective, I mean, uh, you know, I started the company kind of by accident uh, back in 2001 with my former business partner. And, you know, they say necessity is the mother invention. So the reality is I started the company because I needed a job. Um, you know, while we were trying to buy a previous comp a company that I worked at with the, my then business partner and the deal fell through. And, uh, and suddenly, uh, suddenly I you know, had a young family and I needed a job. And what I, what I knew I knew how to do was talk about technology and, you know, implement technology and advise on technology. So candidly, you know, from a leadership perspective in 2001, the idea of leadership was nothing, wasn't anything on my mind. You know, looking back on it, I'm, I'm, you know, if you look back to some of our old websites from the Wayback Machine, you could see that there was some leadership. There was definitely some leading in the industry going on. And, and um, you know, Steph hears this all the time. You might hear this from time to time. You know, one of the things that's always just kind of bugged me about our industry is that we're just really good at selling people crap. <laughs> like, uh, and our industry is really good at coming up with more crap to make you want to sell. And I, I, I say that negatively, I, I'm not trying to devalue it, but, you know, from a leadership perspective, it's always been about, okay, we're making, we're asking people to spend money on all this stuff. We're asking people to spend more and more and more, more money. Nobody's IT budgets are going down. You know, how can our industry be better at leveraging this technology instead of just being, just being the supplier? So I would say from the beginning, you know, uh, candidly, I had no idea what the word, I, I had no idea what leadership was. Um, what I thought was leadership back in 2001 was really management and supervision. And I think, you know, um, I think people get that confused uh, a lot. Um, what is the difference between true leadership versus management and supervision? Um, and I certainly, I mean, I, I can go on for hours, but I mean, I can, you know, I can talk through like when did, when did some of that stuff start changing for me and my perspectives and you know, that kind of journey. So, right. Cause I mean, like you say, you, you basically started as just an IT guy. You just dove into it, yep. right? A doer of IT things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and from there, I mean, this business grew and obviously it's taken many shapes and forms over the years. I mean, I think, you know, even would you say this iteration of innovative has existed for, for how long? Uh, the innovative, I would say the innovative that you would, that, that you see, uh, probably started intentionally in around 2010, 2011. Uh, and that's around the time I bought out my old business partner. Um, that's the time when I started thinking about, okay, what's next? Uh, and, you know, in 2011, 
we had thought about what's next a little bit back in 2005 with some branding and things like that. But really 2010, 2011 is when I started realizing that this thing was only going to be as big uh, and big isn't always better, but it's, it's going to always have some level of reliance upon me uh, unless I can be very specific about delegating. Um, and, uh, and that's when you really start to see the idea and, and uh, the idea of us building out a leadership team. Um, and, you know, candidly, you know, there's some pain in that because you have to kind of go backwards a little bit before you go forwards when you build a leadership team. First of all, it costs money. Um, so when you go from this place where, you know, uh, they say genius with a thousand helpers, I doubt the word genius was probably the right word to use here. But when they talk about, you know, this centric, this uh, leader centric um, infrastructure, which candidly you see in big companies today um, versus this distributed leadership, you know, us type of uh, attitude, that really started in 2010 and 2011. And, and, you know, to Tyler Snyder's credit, it started with him stepping up in when, while I was dealing with some of this other stuff. And then really in 2011, 2012, we really started looking at, okay, what are the, what are the functions that we really need to start building teams around? Obviously in our industry service, um, but even even you know all the all the major business functions, we started getting intentional about that. So that would be the beginning of it. And I would say when you really what you really start to smell and feel is when we moved in this building in 2016, um, because that really marked a, a, a really big change. Um, and and we were intentional. We're, we try to be. I try to be intentional about most things, but we we're very intentional about the 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 optics of the move. I mean, here we are a small company next to an ice basically next to an ice cream shop in the sh south end of town who might have been known as the mac repair shop because of some branding we did back in 2017 marcy still has convulsions when we talk about that <laughs> you know uh, south end of town which you know a lot of for better or worse a lot of the business stuff that's happening is happening in the north end uh and then all of a sudden this building pops up on this this very unusual building pops up in on pennsylvania avenue that doesn't quite look and smell and feel like like all the other buildings. And so we timed a lot of things around that August of 2016. I mean, I'm talking like I can remember the date, you know, you know, we, we, we timed a lot of things around that. And that's really where you can almost see another kind of level of, of, um, of maturity when it comes to leadership. One of the things um, as one of the newer members of the leadership team that I've noticed in recent years, since I've came on the team is this very well established, Kind of group decision making and group leadership it's truly all of the members of the team are working together and everybody's on the same page and that's very much a priority um i kind of know that that's may not have been how it always was and um, i imagine that was a bit of a journey for you from being that kind of sole owner sole decision maker to you know building that team of kind of leading as a group. Um, what was that transition like? And maybe what, what advice would you give for another business owner going through that process? Um, I, I, you know, I actually, I, I feel like I kind of was always like that because I mean, I think a lot of people would say I got a big ego. Um, I'm sure I would want to, I'm not sure I'd want to debate that, but, but I don't think it's necessarily understood what drives my ego and being the center of it all and being the, you know, smartest guy in the room or, you know, I'm, you know, all that kind of stuff has never been my, my motives. Um, and, and candidly, once, once we, I, I've told, I think I've told you this before, I'm realizing I'm on a podcast, um, 
you know, so I'm getting a little more vulnerable. I mean, honestly, once the business kind of achieved beyond my wildest imagination and goals, you know, both financially, both just uh, just the just the things that I, that I, you know, when you're, you're a teenager and you're thinking, what do you want to be when you grow up? Once the business kind of, once I realized we were kind of on that trajectory, it, a lot of it actually became more about us than it became about me because I realized that it would only continue to be awesome if I could continue having these awesome people around me or keep or continue attracting these awesome people. And I realized that the only way to do that would be to create opportunity. Um, and so I know that sounds incredibly corny, but I'm, I've said that over and over again. So I would say the lesson, I would say the lesson for other leaders is don't be afraid to take your own ego and your own self out of your goals, because at some point in time, you're probably going to be the biggest obstacle to your company. I, we see that all the time. I mean, I, I'm confident there's been points in time where I've been my own biggest obstacle, some hiring decisions and some, you know, uh, just, you know, delayed decision-making, et cetera. But it's about, being selfless enough that you are so driven on your mission and where you're trying to go that you're willing to accept the fact that you're probably part of the problem and that you're probably not even close to the smartest guy guy or gal in the room anymore. And so I think, you know, I think people just don't let go of that. I think there's a lot of perceptions that, you know, hey, I'm the smarter, I can only do it better. And you can, and maybe that's true to a certain point, but if you build the right teams, you'll realize soon that if you have the right people, they'll do any single job better than you ever could have. So you talk about these transitions, not only has innovative taken, but you've been through transitions yourself, like you say, yeah. learning about your own ego and when to delegate. Is there a certain moment or even a certain period of time that stands out where you feel like you evolved or grew as a leader in particular, or has it been a steady kind of, kind of building block of, okay, this, this is another building block of let me delegate this and let me bring on this person. Yeah, I think there's probably a couple of different answers to that. You know, one of them is understanding what true leadership was. And I, I mean, again, Tara's going to love this, but going through leadership, Washington County, I, th I think I was class 22. So um, that's got to be at least 10 years, at least 10, if not 13 years ago. So I think that's when I really started studying leadership. Uh, I also joined a, a CEO leadership group called Vistage. And so it was really kind of like my, um, my continuing education plan. I didn't go back to school. So my continuing education was my, were my peers and the organizations I got involved with. So I think Vistage, um, being in a CEO peer group made a difference. Um, certainly Leadership Washington County, where we started taught, you know, really understanding what is leadership and then reading made a big difference to really understand the difference between leadership and management. And then just really understand, you know, my, my philosophy is it's always, it's not mine. It's, it's always a leader. Like, I mean, you could look at world events going on and say, there's a there's some, there's some pretty big leadership problems. I mean, and it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. Um, so I think I got a little off track there, but you know, it was a combination of that plus getting a little older. Mm. Can't, you know, honestly, and, 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 and also building the team to be at a place where you have some time to think, you know, I wouldn't have the time to think about the things I want to do if we didn't have the team. If we were just putting out fires and just trying, you know, just treading water, I wouldn't have those opportunities. But it's it's been the combination of some of that training and interest, plus you know, some a little bit of maturity, you know, a little bit of patience, um, which aren't necessarily uh, qualities I'm best known for. Um, <laughs> I, I would say those those are all been contributing, and uh, and it just keeps. I feel I feel like it just keeps getting better because. The more I'm able to do my real job, 
which is chief executive officer, um, which is, you know, leading leaders, the more I can, you know, the more time I can spend leading leaders, which is, it's, it's actually really fun and rewarding. Is there a, a kind of a strict definition you fall back on when you, when you split up, you, you say leaders versus management, where does that line kind of appear for you? So managing, I think management and supervision is more like, uh, here's what to do, you know, here's what to do, here's how to do it. Um, you know, and leadership has more to do with this is where we're going. This is what we're trying to accomplish. Um, I'm here to remove obstacles, not tell you what to do. I, you know, there, there's certainly a place for management. Certainly leadership without management is, oh gosh, I'm sure nuts. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm reserving comments since we're on a podcast. <laughs> um, but management without leadership is sterile. You know, um, it's, it's very sterile and it's, it's not forward thinking. It's not strategic. It's not big picture thinking. So there's, there's, the leadership has to do with all the things that are gray, whereas management to me is about the black and white. Right? You hit your number, you didn't hit number. Uh, leadership is why didn't you hit the number and what is my part in that under the assumption that it's my fault? You know, if you, if you, if you take the position of if somebody if somebody's working for me um, that isn't doing well, that's my fault. And to me, that's leadership. Yeah, I think that's that's interesting when you when you talk about being able to split it up and kind of taking ownership over that because I think that was something you've mentioned. Uh, I'm sure you've mentioned at least a few times in our company meetings. Mm -hmm. um, we just had one uh, last week talking about you know if something's going wrong, you are at the top and you have to take ownership over that. Yeah, I just remember that. Um, you know, I a leader or man. If you you could put me, you could put managers and leaders in this bucket. If you really think about it, and again, I kind of say this stuff over and over again, like a broken record, but a manager's only role is to make the people that work for him or her more productive. That's that's their only job, um, if you really think about it. Um, you have to look at a group of, if you look at a group of people doing a certain amount of things, um, if you add a good, if you add a manager or a leader in it, that one plus one should be more than two. I think there's a lot of strength in, in saying that. It's not just uh, you know, I think accountability is important, but I think I think a lot of organizations manage out of lack of out of lack of trust. To me, leadership is the opposite of that. Leadership implies that you've got the right people, the right team. You're painting the vision, and you're letting really smart and creative people just do their thing. And as long as we end up in the same place, reasonably, you know, ethically, legally, et cetera, like who cares? Half the fun is ending up somewhere in a way that you did, you had no idea that you you. you that that would be the road. You thought you were going to take 70 yeast, you end up taking the CNO canal. <laughs> you know, that's, that to me is leadership. <laughs> Ryan and I talked a lot on our first episode about, you know, we're an IT company, so why are we starting a leadership podcast and not talking about technology? Here my and, eye rolls. Right, right. <laughs> um, and we talked a lot about the fact that, you know, there's a lot of people that do technology. And if you want to know about technology, there's textbooks written about it. There's all kinds of instructions. It's not really that subjective. And in our world, what we get into and what seems to truly make the difference in the businesses that we work with, it all comes down to leadership and the yeah. success. You know, we're obviously invested in their technology, but the success and our ability to improve their technology comes down to our ability to work with their leaders. Um, Obviously, we can't name names. We have to protect the innocent here. But are there any stories that come to mind of when that concept of we're in the leadership business, not necessarily the IT business, really started to to come to light for you? Well, I mean, I, I think I think it probably follows the similar trajectory of what I described of our of my kind of my own learning and realization on leadership. 
So it'd probably be around the same time frame. But you know, the I, I think I think the reason why we deal with that is because our industry has gone from. I mean, honestly, I was looking up the definition of CIO uh, last week to work on some of my goals. And it's crazy looking at the definition of what a CIO is um, and how that's changed over the last five or 10 years. Uh, the CIO maybe 10, 15 years ago was, and I will answer your question, was the person who was involved with keeping the systems up and running. And so if you go back, if you look at our, the fact that our industry is relatively young, uh, the industry as we know it um, kind of came about in the mid nineties, uh, really as hardware dealers. And then if you think about our, our, our industry, like the IT industry, you could say it goes back to the 50s and 60s, maybe 70s in, in the form of what we would call data processing. Came out of accounting, most likely came out of accounting. Um, the other place our industry came out of was also facilities. Um, you know, and it started with those who were willing to pull wires and hook up connectors and you know, things like that. So if you think, uh, you know, in the 50s and 60s, you're talking about government agencies and NASA and big, you know, big, huge institutions that could afford technology. By the 70s, it starts getting into big, big, big business, banks, et cetera. And then, you know, 80s, it's word processing. Uh, 90s, it's, you know, email and internet, right? By the end of the 90s, it's email and internet. Now, it's everything. I mean, it's, it's, it's everything. It's not just an accounting function and how you do your billing. It's like you if you're a knowledge worker, and even if you're not anymore, if you're not even, an, uh, I mean, it's everywhere. So to get back to your question, the companies that acknowledge those changes during, you know, especially I, I say beware of the, beware of the profitable, you know, company that's been around for 20 or 30 years, because what happens is if the leaders of those companies fail to recognize that as this was all changing dramatically, right, transformational change, if they fail to recognize that the people that were good at helping them do that in the 90s, in the, 2000, in the early 2000s, weren't necessarily the same people that were going to be the ones that were going to help draft their, their, their digital transformation strategy or, or you know, the new, newer, definition, newer definition of a CIO, which is you know, a thinker who, who is coming up with plans and strategy and vision that might be almost as important as what the CEO, you know, certainly can't be done in a vacuum. You know, the CEO can't, uh, uh, an effective CEO, in my opinion, of a sizable company can't do all this uh, dreaming and planning and vision without, under, you know, some sort of conversation with their CIOs and CTOs. Because if you really think about it, I mean, even, the, I mean, we, we, we couldn't even be talking about this podcast without, <laughs> without some technology conversations. And so, you know, it, it's it's evolved in the companies being more direct at your question, the companies who have had the courage to look at the people and say, OK, um, we need to do something different are the ones that are struggling the most. And candidly, without running on and on and on, they're also the ones who probably got caught with their pants down the most in, in March of 2020. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. I was in a, a meeting with a I use the term perspective client loosely because they really kind of have their crap together um, this morning. And that was the big theme that their CIO talked about. He talked about, we have a phenomenal CEO. We have a phenomenal CFO. Um, our CEO has has no ego. She doesn't just make decisions in a vacuum. If there's a problem, she gets us all in a room together. There's no who did what. It's this is the problem and how do we work together and solve it and what resources do you need to fix it? And 
figuring out then how to put those resources in place. I mean, and I, like, that's yeah. just, that's it. Like, yeah. that's how it works. Get it right, not be right. Yeah. Get it right, not be right. That's all that matters, honestly. Unless, and, and again, unless your ego requires you to take all the credit and all that kind of stuff, which I mean, there's a fair share of people that are like that, obviously. I, I just tried not to be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> we talked a little bit about, you know, problem solving, goal setting, how do you reach those goals and accountability and, and, and all of that. I think that plays really well into EOS, which we talked about a good bit last week. Um, wanted to get uh, Jason's perspective here on EOS as innovative as, as in, I guess, still in the process of implementing that. It's, it's kind of a long, long ordeal to really be fully ingrained in a yeah. EOS. So um, do you want, we talked about it a good bit last week, what it is and how it functions. Uh, do you want to talk a bit from your point of view of kind of the value you feel like it's it's going to bring and is bringing to innovative? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, I mean, it, it, first and foremost, it's it's bringing a tremendous amount amount of value, and uh, I think I think it's for a couple reasons. Number one, um, it's because you know I'm obviously bought into it, and then our senior teams bought into it, and our even even the next level down, our middle management team is bought into it. And I think I think if it, you know if you're willing to do that, and if you're if you're really willing to be open and honest and you can work on team health, then I think it just, it just makes, it just, it reduces friction in so many different ways. The other, the other reason why I think it works really well for us is, you know, we certainly have grown, you know, we're pushing 50 people, but over half, and I, and I think it'll be this way for quite some time, over half of our people are technical people, right? And, uh, and going back to some of the conversations we just had, you know, we've got a lot of engineering mindsets, technical mindsets, good enough is good enough, not close is good enough. Now I'm, I'm a probably a sales guy by nature, really, if you're a talker by nature. So good enough is good enough for me. But the, the good news is we got a lot of people here where it's either, it's a zero or a one, right? We're, we're, we're in the digital industry. So what I, what, one of the reasons I think it's worked really well for our team is that it's given a lot of people very simple, uh, concrete um, processes uh, that are scalable and repeatable with the caveat that we've already hurdle, we've already gone through the harder parts, which I mean, I think the hardest part is like agreeing that we're gonna, saying we're gonna do it and meaning it and realizing that this is what we're doing and uh, there's no turning back, you know, um, this is this is where the bus is going. So I think if you can be, if you can be uh, very passionate and, and, and disciplined about that decision and realizing that's that's what we're doing, the other stuff and stuff, maybe you would agree here, is actually kind of easy. I think the hardest part is the people part, right? And you know, the egos of the leadership, you know, the egos that might exist at the ownership level, the egos that exist at the leadership table, that are really unproductive. They're not aligned with the company. I'm not trying to say that you know some of those issues are unfounded. You know, somebody said something, and you know, you don't want to take all that away. But at the end of the day, it's it's kind of all noise from the company's perspective. So, I think it's given us something, you know consistent that we can all agree on um, and uh, we're, we're just running with it. And and to your point, it I think it's a practice. I don't know if you're ever like, it, it is, it, it's always going to evolve, right? It's, and it's going to wax and wane with different, you know, we're pretty high on it right now. There's a lot of energy surrounding by it, but life will go on and we'll get a little, you know, we'll get a little loose on this and we'll get a loose on that. And then that'll be up to some leaders to recognize that and decide <laughs> when it is to turn it back on. But I don't think it'll ever be done, um, but we're certainly we're, we're we're reaping a lot of rewards from it right now because it's 
there's there should be very little surprises right now if everybody's if everybody's paying attention in class. So yeah, I've definitely appreciated it, and you know, I I got hired in September of last year when I came on. Um, time's flying, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I think that was around the time we really started to see it show up in in our our weekly meetings with our teams. Yeah. And um, we just I think referenced it uh, this week how we feel like there's so much being so much more being brought to the table to these meetings in terms of problem solving. People are starting to feel more comfortable bringing mm-hmm. those issues that they feel like they they need to bring to the team rather than maybe having it just a one to one or. Yeah. Sending an email saying I have this issue, really talking through that, and I, I've always felt like that's that's so much of the value that I've gotten from it. Yeah, um, working here is oh, like we can bring anything to the table as a team, and, and we're going to put it on the list, and we're going to kind of list an order of events here of priority. Yeah, and, and again, going back to the leadership theme, uh, you know that is you know you saw that you know it's always amazing to hear somebody who's only been here because it's the only university you ever you ever knew, right? Yeah. You know. Uh, but that's something when I mean, we that had been in the works for a couple of years. You know, uh, we we were we would have done it probably in 2020 had this pesky uh, pandemic not shown up. But but the other part of it is creating a culture, like genuinely creating a culture where people believe you when you say, "I want your feedback," even if it's about me. Again, goes back to the ego. You know, some of those ego conversations. Um, you know, can you check your ego for the for the uh, for the bigger picture and the and the and the mission? Um, but had that culture not existed, and, and, you, and you can see even with that culture being here, it's still pe- it is just it's not what people are used to. I mean, when you go to like when you hear, when when you watch the sitcoms, you know, you know, Office or whatever, and you hear the lock, uh, hear the uh, the water cooler conversation, it's not like oh yeah, I want you to bring something up at a meeting today that's you know. That, that is uh, armed and dangerous and might even be directed at leaders, you know, and and how can we, you know, and, and they're going to take that as constructive feedback and not kill the messenger and we're going to do something about it because <laughs> we all know where it's coming from. That's, it's extremely powerful. So I think, I think if you don't have some of that culture, I think you can get yourself in trouble. And uh, we got very intentional. Um, I can, I mean, we got very intentional about culture the summer of 2014, 2015. So here we are eight years later, you know, you know, and it's all about building something that you that even if you know it's going to take time, it's about building something that you're going to need down the road when you want to do something. Because all this people stuff, I mean, I think they say it takes three years to change culture, and that's I think if you're really intentional about it. So, and I'm getting a little off track, but but no, it's um, it's it's good stuff. It's good stuff. No, I mean, I think that that plays right into it. Um, talking about people and how you know, our core values and we, we hire by it and fire by it for yep. that term a lot. Yep. But it, I mean, it's very true that you have to be, it's not just, does the resume look good? That's, that's one yeah. piece. It's, it's the 10 commandments of, of innovative is almost yeah. what we have. And, and I think that's played a huge role because you, you do have to get the right people and yeah. obviously right people, right seat is, is a huge deal. Yeah. Um, and you, I mean, you mentioned it right at the top is you have the people around you, you, you like and you like working with and you want them to succeed. And that's that's part of the building blocks, the foundation of you get the right people. And and I think that's that's been a major role just in my short time here of every person I work with. I you know, you can see it. You can see the and, passion. And I get so I mean, I you know what what drives me, you know, what gets me up every I mean, I get so much satisfaction seeing somebody who's doing something here that they couldn't have dreamed of doing. Uh, and it, that is just so cool uh, because I'm doing something that I would have never dreamed of doing. 
So, I mean, that, that shouldn't just be exclusive to me. So that's pretty cool. I'm going to flip it on its head here. Yeah. We're going to be a little more negative. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. It's not um, all rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. So, I mean, EOS is going to bring a lot of changes. Yes. In, you know, various places. Have there been any challenges specifically you faced or have there been places you fear challenges could arise for, for others trying to implement this that they're going to be need to be ready for that hurdle? Yeah, I mean, I th the I think the obvious answer is yes. I mean, it's certainly not all rainbows and butterflies, and it's easy to stand here and I'm looking at the clock. I've been yapping for you know 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> I think it's easy to talk about how good it is, but um, the work that goes into getting the team to a place where you know, even the leadership team getting to a place where we're receptive to it, that's where that's where the real work is. Um, the other thing, you know, the other thing that's tough about it is, you know. Um, you know, we, we had to make some, we made, had to make some tough decisions and, and, uh, you know, being willing to make just about any decision for the better, for the, uh, benefit of the company. I mean, I think if you're not willing to do that, um, even looking at your own, your own role in it, um, you know, those are tough conversations and, uh, it's, you know, I've talked about this before. We've already decided, we've decided to grow as a firm. We've, we've made that decision for years. I mean, we didn't make that decision a year ago. We didn't make that decision two years ago. We probably made that decision 10 years ago, eight years ago, right? Whether, whether it was declared or whether it was by action, we made that decision. So it's, it's almost like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. I don't know if you remember P90X, you know, mm -hmm. or Bowflex or whatever. You watch the right. ads and it's like, all you got to do is buy this <laughs> and you're guaranteed. I mean, they give you a money back guarantee. Well, what, I mean, and it's, it's actually true. Yeah. But it, what's true about it is you have to do, you have to subscribe to the program. So yeah, I mean, a money back guarantee. If you work out every single day for 90 minutes using, you know, um, you know, using all those CDs and those programs, you're going to get those results. What, you know, most people don't. Right. So, right. so one of the things about me is in general, I mean, again, I'm not perfect by any stretch in this, in this, in this, uh, this regard is if we're, if we say we're going to do it, we're going to do it. And it's also okay to change our mind. Like that's the other thing people forget is we're allowed to change our mind. We're allowed to, do, to agree that we can do something different, but for now, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it. And, and here's all the information, you know, again, we talked about, you know, why did, why did we get copies of the book and give it to everybody? Why do we give people 90 days, you know, three or four months to read it? Hey, this is what's coming. This is what's coming and this is what we're doing. Um, and, uh, and again, it's not all, it's not all positive, but you, sometimes you got to go through some pain to get to the other side of it. And I, I think, I think most, I would like to think, uh, uh, most, if you ask most folks, they would say, okay, I, we, we, we are going through some pain or we did go through some pain, but now I, but I can see the, I can see the promised land or the light in the tunnel or whatever analogy or, or uh, cliche you want to use there. You're, so. you're touching on one of the things we talked about last week. I had referenced um, the book, Good to Great and the great lessons that we learned from that. And one of them was, you know, you can have this plan, you can identify your niche, you can do all the things, but if you don't have the discipline to actually execute on it and make the hard decisions. Like what's it all for? Um, and kind of going back to those core values, Brian, you talked about coming in at an interesting time. You were actually, I think our first employee that was hired when we were thinking about this EOS stuff. So I remember in your first interview, I'm like, I need to hire a person that can write marketing content, but I need to hire this person for their core values first. And <laughs> Having the discipline, if you recall our, your first interview, I don't think I asked you anything about writing or marketing. I asked you, 
all questions about core values. And then <laughs> the ones that made that cut, you know, obviously we looked at your resume, we saw some writing samples, we knew that you, assuming you weren't lying about those things. <laughs> we knew that you on, on paper. I almost got away with it. <laughs> we knew that on paper. This you, just took an interest. You, <laughs> you kind of had the skills to make it work. But, you know, as a hiring manager, having the discipline to not ask those questions and to not get blinded by the person that just might be the phenomenal writer, but maybe not a great core values fit for the company was, you know, that was an interesting exercise. Yeah, well, let me and let me add to that. And I realize I'm going to ask you an unfair question here, Steph. But it kind of, <laughs> it, but it goes back to leadership. I mean, I would like to think that you knew by 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 us setting the stage, you know, because well, let me take a step back. You know, there are no shortage of activities in our day to day work, right? There's we always have things to do. You know, everybody's got a full to do list, um, deadlines, goals, measurables, all those type of things. So. It is so easy to focus on the like the easier stuff of like the content writing and you know I wouldn't say easy because you know I know it's not easy, uh, but no, but it, but creating like from a leadership perspective, just creating an, an atmosphere where it's okay to have interview after interview after interview and and have the courage to say this person is not the right fit. There are so many things happening every day in business that that. That that would make that counterintuitive, right? Because you know we're you know it, it, and we I've been guilty of it over the years. You know we were like ah oh, I, I I just need I just need the the body in there to get the the placeholder in there to do the work. And I, I hate saying stuff like that, but believe it or not, audience everybody's nodding. So, um, <laughs> but no, I think part of that is just setting the stage where that's accept you know that's an acceptable outcome so that you can focus on that. That that doesn't happen in a vacuum either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Do you have anything else? I was waiting for Jason's unfair question. Well, you nodded and oh, you okay. so, <laughs> Yeah. I was alluding to the fact that I that I that I gave you that that we and I gave you that leeway so that, you know, if yeah, it took oh, if it took longer to find the right person, that's okay. And not like, why didn't we hit this? You know, why are we cranking out content? You know, and, because, and I think I remember a few yeah. conversations with you where you were, you know, making sure that I wasn't just yeah. hiring somebody because it's the best of what we got yeah. and not, you know, because it's the absolute right. Yeah. Right yeah. Because yeah, you're, I mean, you might, might have a little bit more short-term pain, but all these, the people decisions are long-term decisions, right? I mean, if you're doing it right, if you're not, then I don't think you're doing it right. I mean, if you're just trying to solve the 90-day the, the problem, uh, then I think you're being short-sighted. All right. Well, I guess we can leave it at that. I'm the best EOS hire. That <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> No, but uh, thank you so much for doing this. This is, I mean, this is just awesome it's to fun. finally get this podcast rolling and and have a guest. Just yeah. to have a guest yeah. is so I, awesome. I, hopefully, I hopefully I'll get invited again. Yeah. That'd be fun. <laughs> Absolutely, that'd be cool. So, um, just to kind of leave leave our audience with a few tips. Um, I know you're a big reader. Are there any books that are on your mind that you want to share that that you'd recommend? Oh my, yeah. I, leader, readers are leaders, or leaders are readers, one or the other. Um, gosh, I think you probably should have told me you're going to ask me that. Uh, I'm reading a book about music right now, so um, I'm I kind of have to give my brain a rest. Um, but I mean, good to great. I mean, there's a couple books I've read over and over again. Good to great is certainly one of them. Um, I, you know, I, I don't I don't have anything else. I think that's, I'm reading a really enough. cool I'm really reading a really cool book because um, I'm a music uh, nerd too. And uh, Susan Rogers wrote a book, and I can't remember the title of it, but it's very colorful. Um, and it's about um, it's just about understanding um, 
like why we like music and like the emotional side of that. So, okay, cool. you know, not leadership, but it's pretty Love cool. It. So <laughs> Love it. everybody has to give their brain a rest at some point. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that's not a, that's not a bad tip yeah. to give there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but thank you for joining us once again. Thank Thanks you. for having me. This has been awesome. Tune in next time to the innovative leadership podcast for more fun guests. I believe we'll have some more folks from innovative. So you can look forward to that. We appreciate you listening. <laughs>